Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes and Discussion. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer um, and curator Rennie Algesheimer. Good afternoon, Rennie. How are you? Hey, good evening, Ewan. How are you doing? I'm not bad. It's uh, now nearly getting to Christmas, um, one week to go, but um, I dare say there'll be more than enough to do in the next week, and then I'm looking forward to downing tools for a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's good. What about yourself? Are you keeping well? Yeah, absolutely. Same procedures every year. Yeah. <laughs> so the before Christmas period and uh, where there are a lot of bottlenecks and I'm one of these bottlenecks. Uh, it looks like that. Yeah. And so very much looking forward to the holiday period as well myself. Yeah, very good. So we're here to obviously talk about the book that you curated earlier on this year or have probably been working on for some time, Voice of the Eyes, uh, Creative Minds in Landscape Photography, um, which if anyone hasn't got it, it is a, mon uh, a monster book of about 500 <laughs> plus pages. Um, I hate to think uh, how hard or easy it is to ship to some places in the world, but it's an incredible body of, of work from many different photographers but before we get into talking about that Rennie it would be great if you could give everyone an introduction to yourself and your, your background. Sure so first of all thanks a lot for inviting me it's really a pleasure to be on the podcast and, and so there are so many prominent photographers who have been talking about the books before so it's an honor to be here as well. Um, so my name is René Algesheimer. I'm 50 years old. Uh, I live in Switzerland, actually in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. And in my professional life, I am a scientist and full professor at the University of Zurich. And I'm mainly interested there in the psychology of sociology, so the dynamics of social groups yep. and human values. And these days, I'm mostly interested to do research on sustainability and how we can achieve a less growth and less consumption-oriented mindset. Yeah. Why I'm saying that, basically, because I'm trying to always combine a little bit my scientific background with the artistic background. Yeah. Uh, so my artistic life has started quite early, and I've always had interest to express myself through different means and tools. So in the beginning, music was very important is still quite important to my life so at the age of five i've learned to play the piano and later on i played in a band and finally studied music at the university actually classical piano and jazz saxophone uh, together actually with math and so the two potentially most generic languages in the world so music and math um, so at the age i would say probably at 14 or 15 i've become more fascinated by words and by poetry and used music and poetry and words to express my thoughts about the world and the emotions about the world and myself. And at the age of roughly 20, I would say, I got in touch with different forms of the arts. And since yep. then, I'm fascinated with artistic expression. Uh, when it comes to photography, I've started in 2015. Yep. And this was more like an escape from reality for me. Yep. Uh, so as I had lots of responsibility in my main job, I deeply felt the need to escape that reality. Yeah. But um, yeah, later I realized that it is not only an escape from, but also a move towards my true inner self. And so I wasn't only escaping. I think through photography, it felt like coming back home. Cool. And so the camera is my tool to reconnect and express myself. And over the years, my photography has become more probably conceptual okay, and yeah. also more project oriented. Yeah. 
Uh, what can I say about my style of photography? So I would say that my driving force is always curiosity. Yeah. And so not knowing something amazing <laughs> and fascinates me. Yeah. And so I try to ask many questions, read whatever makes me interested in, watch movies and always try to think a little bit out of the box. Yeah. And I think wondering makes me aware of my own limits of understanding. And so it is a, there, there's a, a desire, still desire to understand the world, but it also translates into a love, a gratitude and humility and stillness that I have insight for the world. And that stillness and that the solitude that I need, although I'm a very social person as well, those are, I think, the driving forces for my for my own work. Yeah, cool. So sounds that sounds a really interesting background, um, particularly the sustainability aspect of it of your profession of your professional day to day job and how you can potentially incorporate that as well. Given we we know, I suppose, in terms of the impacts um, on the environment of photography and everyone traveling everywhere and and so yeah. on and so forth so yeah it's really interesting background um, and yeah i i, I like I, I, love, I enjoy a lot of your personal work as well very a lot of it's very much my style and i know exactly what you mean in terms of the escapism is for me my job is very very numerical so photography for me allows me just to step aside to something that's as far from being factual and and accurate in, in any shape or form whatsoever and it's it's purely a an, an expressional aspect of it as well which is really yeah. nice and um, obviously you've spent a lot of time in working on the voice the voice of the eyes and um, which brought i think it was 30 31 photographers and i'm, I'm just interested to know uh, when when did the idea come about and how did the idea come about for for compiling this and, and doing a project in this nature so I think I've I've come to this idea in 2019. So it was the beginning of the COVID period. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would say I had probably two main drivers. So the one was my um, perception that in social media um, landscape, especially landscape photography, has been heavily criticized as not being an art form. And uh, of course, if you look at social media, you find a lot of um duplicate images from the main iconic uh, places yep. in the world and so my question was uh, where is the artistic expression actually and how do the main kind of voices in the field uh, how do they deal with their own creativity uh in parallel i've also felt that um Mm, creativity is there and there's a lot of creativity and I wanted to bring that out and I wanted to emphasize, emphasize a little bit more how these major figures in photography approach creativity. Um, in parallel, in 2020, I think it started that most of the professional landscape photographers, they needed to stop down uh, offering their workshops because of the lockdowns and the COVID. Yep. And so my question was, how can I support them? And uh, so my idea was to create a book and where I'm interviewing these photographers about their creative processes. Uh, but also giving a share back to the prof uh, to the professional photographers in order to help them to cope with the current situation that we had through the lockdowns. So I think those were the two main drivers of the process. And this is where Voice of the Eyes started. Yeah. Um, so actually, the beginning, my thought was that I created 
I wanted to create a standardized survey. So I started with 15 yeah. standardized questions that I asked everyone and every single photographer. <laughs> and the idea was that the reader can really then compare the answers from different photographers. Yeah. And through that, they can start a conversation with the photographers and with themselves. And I hope that the medium, the book, the voice of the eyes, through that becomes a voice of every photographer, but hopefully also impacts the own voice of the reader and their own artistic expression. Yeah, no, I I, I I like the format. I like the format of the book when you have, as you say, you've you've chosen 15, 15 questions that you've you've asked everyone. Because as you say, it, it gives a bit of a it gives a, a similar context that you can then begin to see how different people are approaching the same things as opposed to different questions to different photographers, at which point it maybe becomes a bit harder to kind of differentiate or see how people approach the same the same the same subject matter or the same topic same theme so how, how did you how did you kind of approach your questions just i suppose i i'd imagine you'd have gone through various drafts of questions to get a, a set mm -hmm. of questions which are going to prompt the the most informative and the most useful responses from the photographers yeah that's a good question actually uh so the voice of the eyes perceives photographs as the organ of expression of an artist and their visual perception. I think and I believe when it when it's difficult to verbally express feelings, thoughts, experiences, emotions, ideas, then the photographs, they serve as a mean of that expression and they become the voice of the photographers. And so now I wanted to get that voice out. I wanted to understand, okay, who are they? the photographers how do they create are they creating their work conceptually or are they kind of triggered by what they see in the field uh, do they work in projects or do they work in single images and so those are a few of the questions that i had in mind from the beginning what i haven't realized i have to say is that many of the photo photographers they have chosen photography because it helps them to express something that is probably difficult for them to express through words. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now I'm coming and asking them to put it into words. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a challenge. So in the beginning, I just started with a list of questions that were based on my curiosity. And then I narrowed them down into groups. I prioritized them uh, based on what I thought is important for the reader to know. Yeah. And so that gave me a starting point. And I sent out the survey to the photographers. I can also tell you in a second how I selected the photographers and yep. how uh, the process went. But I sent them out to the photographers and uh, I kindly asked them. I described the concept and I kindly asked them to fill it out and send it back to me. But then the editing and the curating work started. And so Basically, I modified their responses. I edited. I I added questions. I I was really curious to get the best out of them, and then yep. I sent it back to them. And for some of the photographers, this was really a little bit of a new process, which is kind of in science. This is daily life. Yeah. So yep. we always re-edit things, and we get feedback and reviews. And so I sent it back to them, and I asked them to rework um, their <laughs> questions because I felt that they are not yet there. And I really wanted to get the specific things out that makes the, the individual photographers stand out. Yeah. 
And so sometimes we had three or four rounds and up until we reached a point where I felt, okay, now we're close <laughs> to what I have in mind. So that's a little bit, that describes a little bit uh, the process of the book. Yeah, I, c I can imagine and looking through, having read a, a number, of, a lot of the 500 odd pages, it's, it's very noticeable that some, some maybe find it easier to talk about their process or to talk about talk talk about their work and what drives them than others do um, and for some it maybe is maybe far more similar so i can imagine there must have been a challenge when some people are quite happy and and more comfortable writing pages and pages and pages whereas others as you say it's it it maybe takes more for you to elicit the the response and kind of the the points that you're hoping to get out from them yeah, absolutely. But at a certain point, it was also funny because sometimes then I, I told them, you see, photographer A, he submitted 30 pages and you just submitted two. And those, they, they said, oh, oh, I, I need to rework on that. I have to send more pages. Yeah. But actually, it's not about the, the page number. It's no. about the the substantial argument and what they contribute. And I think it is really amazing to be able to listen into the thought process of these individual masters of landscape photography. Yeah, I'd agree. And I think uh, the, the the varied spectrum of photographers from different backgrounds uh, producing different styles of work, um, albeit around a same general threaded theme of landscape, I think really adds to it because it allows people who are coming maybe at it from one angle to, to kind of reach in and dig into the photographers who they maybe associate their work with more. But then at the same time, from even from doing all the podcasts, it's fascinating listening to people describe their own processes, the, the different ways in which they work, what makes someone tick and click um, is always really interesting. So it, it's it's always fascinating to see people who you maybe not you wouldn't ordinarily connect with or or view their work, but actually maybe the, the way that the way in which they work or the way the reasons why they work maybe actually do resonate with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a that's a fascinating process. And uh, so I can probably start talking a little bit about the selection of the photographers. Yeah. I think that's a question that I receive from time to time. And so for me, it was really about the achievement and the contribution of each of the selected photographers to the discipline of landscape photography and how they've helped the whole discipline to shape and so that yep. was that was the basic argument. Then I tried to look into heterogeneity of these artists. So I started to select them from different areas. So some from the film and analog area and others who work primarily digital, some who more come from a documentary background and others who work very expressively. Uh, some who are very active storytellers and very narrative in what they do. Yeah. And others who um, shed a little bit more light on the creative process as well. Some are heavy users of social media, for example. Others, they they consciously refrain from these platforms because they don't believe in that. Yeah. And so I've tried, although they all have a strong contribution to the field, they have a very strong heterogeneity in the way they work. And so basically so much for the theory. And uh, then in practice, I've also started with people that I know. So I can say that I'm very happy to know probably half of the individuals in person 
and to many of them I have a quite close relationship and that helped me really to understand them better and to ask uh, a little bit more intimate questions about the the processes yep and so concerning the heterogeneity I would have liked to have more women for example in the book people more an age spread so some more younger some yes. even older photographers and I haven't achieved that completely. So um, some people, they just didn't respond to my request and yep. mainly the people that I didn't know. Yeah. And so then I ended up with the 30 interviews and I had one as a buffer because I thought that maybe there is someone who is not willing to respond to my question, but they all were. And so yep. in the end, I have 30 plus one. And so that's where the odd number comes from. <laughs> That that's it, and the thing is, as you say, it's 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 challenging to get a balance because you can go out with ideas of who you want to get, and you can approach people, but if they if they don't respond to you or don't want to be involved, then you begin to have to look at, at, at other routes. But I think I think the balance you've got and the approach you've taken works well. It it seems an entirely logical and sensible look for people who use film, people who shoot digital, people who shoot a bit of both. Because again, their whole process and and their their methodology to their work will vary. And then, as you say, it's nice to have a mix of people who connect with social media, people who shy away from it. Because, I, again, just those influences will will have will have uh, will have impact on how on how they work as well. But I, and I can imagine you could you could probably go on and on and on and and produce many of these books mm-hmm. of 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 curating different different backgrounds, different photographers each and every time and. Um, I suppose that's what's always the fascinating thing about doing something like this is you never run out of people to actually speak to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's theoretically true. I mean, yep. the practicality is a different issue. Yep. Uh, we can talk about distribution and costs and uh, I self-published the book. And so yep. we can talk about that in a second. But before, I should probably drop a few names such that the listeners are aware of who is interviewed in the book. And so, for example, I have William Neal, Hans Strand, Bruce Percy, Mark Adamus, uh, Valda Bailey, and uh, Rafael Rojas, and uh, David Ward, and uh, yeah, there are so many. Yeah. And not not meaning that uh, the others that I've mentioned that are less important, but just to, to drop a few names. And uh, so I think we have quite... Uh, quite a solid and very significant number of the most prominent figures in that landscape photography world uh, at the moment. So concerning your question, so I produced the book in a self um, um, publishing process, mainly because uh, I talked to an agent and I've had uh, the, the option also to publish with a publisher. But then I recognized that uh, with a publisher, the margin that get, gets back to me is so small that I can't pay out the artists. Yeah. And so that was my promise from the beginning. And so then I started, okay, there's no other way to do that than self-publishing. And also in self-publishing, I'm the director and uh, I'm yeah. the creative mind of the whole process and I can do it the way I want to do that. And so, which I did basically. So that was the the main reasoning for the self-publishing process. And in the beginning, I thought things are much easier than they were in the begin in the end, as always. Yeah. 
And uh, so with a good friend of mine, um, uh, Sebastian Kaduf, I created um, a, a publication house, so to say, and uh, we set up uh, the whole routines and uh, I had a few ideas for the title and the look of the book and together we created kind of that style. Yep. Then we started to talk with uh, printers and uh, we went into all the, the artistic process, selecting the right paper, which is not an easy thing because you need to have a paper that fits well for text and images. And That's usually it. you have photography books, so you can go for more textured paper, for example, with a light, which I like a lot. But in this case, we needed to serve two purposes. We yeah. had text plus the images. That made it a little bit more challenging. And we printed the book uh, with Printer Trento and in Italy, which was an amazing process and experience. And uh, so they have highly experienced and skillful people that helped us a lot through uh, the process, especially when it comes to color work. Yeah. So color work is especially difficult because usually when you print a book, uh, which is based on a project, then there is, uh, let's say, a more narrow uh, way of, um of the, the the look of the images so yeah. they they follow a certain idea and so therefore there's less heterogeneity when it comes to total values when it comes to colors yeah saturation for example but in this book because i have 31 photographers so the style of the images they were extremely heterogeneous heterogeneous and so it was very challenging to find a trade-off that helps to get the images all out in the best possible way on one paper and so i'm very thankful that i had that i had all the the experts there from printer trento who helped us through the process yeah so that was that let's say the the creational part which was amazing when i had the first book in my hand that was my uh, the epiphany <laughs> moment which was amazing but then the distribution started and the distribution adds more headaches because uh, there is an international distribution. I live in Switzerland, which is not part of the EU. And so then we needed to figure out there are all kinds of uh, logistical problems. Yeah. And uh, taxes and the costs that are added to the book and uh, which are huge. And in parallel, after COVID, we have seen a significant increase in, in logistical cost. costs. Also, paper costs, they affected us dramatically. So the costs for all the paper in the book, they increased by 30% uh, yeah. during kind of the editing process, uh, which was for us very difficult to, to handle. Yeah. Uh, so then we started to also collect our experiences with different distributors, with Amazon and other places. And with many of them, we recognized it doesn't work out. And so we've changed them two times. And so in the end, we decided now we're sending all the books by ourselves because then everything is under our control. Absolutely. And so which is basically where we are at the moment. Yeah. Um, the situation for, uh, for a photography book uh, these days is, uh, especially in 2023, I think is quite difficult. Although uh, Rafael Rojas, for example, said that he believes that Voice of the Eyes is a kind of a Bible of landscape photography at the moment and will stay a classical book for many years. And so I really believe in that book and that it is quite unique. And uh, But it is also a book that uh, with more than 130 images and more than 500 pages of text, 
which you can't really sell out uh, very cheap. And so so we we're trying the best and uh, we also give a few discounts over the year. Yep. And but we believe that you get a lot for the value that you pay for that book. Yeah, absolutely. It's as you say, it's five hundred plus pages and and a lot and a lot of images and and a lot of real valuable information and insights into the work. When it came to selecting the images from the photographers, because obviously they they'd, they'd answered the questions, the personal questions, and then the standardized questions as well. When it came to image selection for for sharing their work, was that purely down to the photographers to send you a, a, the images they wanted, or did they send you a selection which gave you an element of curation over the work as well? Um, mainly yes, but uh, everything started with a question I that I asked, uh, which was, um, show me one of your photographs that is very meaningful to you and tell me yep. the story of that image. And so that was basically a starting point. And uh, because conditional on the questions that I asked before, uh, most of these images that they were, were really deep and so really well connected to the personality and to the yep. life of the artist. And so that was the starting point. So. I had the first photograph from each of the photographers, and then I asked them to add more photographs that help them to express kind of their style, uh, the variety of uh, images that they create, and all the stories they want to tell. And so that was completely up to the photographer to select then the other images. Yeah. And in terms in terms of the text and the curation of it, obviously you knew which photographers you were going to incorporate. Did you have to do a lot of editing to the process to, to get it down to a certain size, or were you, did you include did you include everything and, and just uh, kind of like put put them into an order that you saw you felt flowed from one photographer to another? No, so I stayed away from editing any of the photographs. I mean, those yeah. are the masters yeah. of photography, oh, yeah. and so. Yeah. I left them completely unedited. Uh, the only thing we did in the book was kind of the color work in the print process. Yes, yep. And we are tried to be as close to the original as possible. Yep. Uh, when it came to the text, I, as I said before, I, I would say in some cases, I heavily kind of gave feedback and modified yep. and tried to shape the, the text and the, uh, the material. And in the end, we are presenting all the artists in alphabetical order. So there's no priority. There's no yep. one better than the others. Yes. And so I believe they all have different stories to tell. And it is worth to listen to these different stories. Uh, in some areas, the reader will be very surprised that uh, they can learn a lot from photographers that are probably a little bit less known to them. And yep. I think there's a lot of truth and a lot of honesty in in these artists and in the way they open up their heart and talk about their own life yeah i i would agree i think uh, i've read a num i've read a number of them and various bits of most of the most of the photographers featured as well and it's it's really quite fascinating and interesting because it's very different from just presenting your images through a body of work to be able to to have to write about your work is an entirely different thing altogether, which which I, I think most people probably find quite challenging. Certainly, from people when I speak to them for the podcast in particular, um, 
yeah, they, a lot of them will always comment that, yeah, writing words is very, very difficult compared to presenting or creating a sequence of one's work. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and it is extremely interesting for, I think, for the reader to learn how people like Sandra Batocha or Theo Bosboom, how they create the images. And yep. what I've learned from, that's probably the biggest takeaway for myself from the book is that everything is is already there and uh so it is inside of us and we just need to get to the place and yeah. in order to get there we need to let go and we need to shift the focus to the inside and not to the outside it's not about following a trend or a style on social media it is about that we need to give ourselves the permission to get involved in who we are as a person and only then we have also the essence of that in our spirit. We might self-express ourselves and then we are creating art, I think. Yeah. And I think over the years, we have lost the ability, the passion and the courage to look and listen to the inside because we are vulnerable if we show what is inside. Yeah. And this has caused probably uh, a little bit the decline of landscape photography as an art form. And so we actively train ourselves through everyday life um, to destroy our self-expressiveness because we are receiving so much noise and dynamics from the outside, from the social world. And these, so as a consequence, the voices, they are lost. Our own voice is lost. Yeah. Instead, we are confronted with all these bots and soulless zombies that, that we have on social media. Yeah. And I think it is very easy to be successful in following a given path uh, in conformity, but it is very difficult to find your own depth, your own path. And I think the most expensive things we have in life are probably health, time, and the peace of mind. And Absolutely. I think this is the path of no return. And so therefore, to, to quote the Matrix movie, it is about the red or the blue pill. So yeah. would you just like to follow the trend and yep. uh, stay in a kind of social media paradise with thousands of followers and engagement rates? Or would you try to listen to the inside and to your own truth and what you what you want to express? And I think in the end, this is a much more fruitful path. So this is the biggest takeaway that I've learned from all the different artists from the book. Yeah, that's really, really interesting to hear just in terms of, I suppose, what what you've taken away from it because you've had the engagement with all the photographers. Has there been anything in terms of the responses or anything in terms of your interaction that's, that's, that's surprised you in a, in, in any shape, in a good way or in a bad way in terms of how, so, how someone has maybe responded to certain aspects or whether people have done in multiple instances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that um, in I ask all the photographers to tell also some personal stories about their life that have had a meaningful impact on their work. Yeah. And so there's, for example, Freeman Patterson, an, an amazing writer and photographer, and his photographs in the book, they are amazing. And uh, because they tell something about a very uh, difficult period of his life and uh, where he suffered from health problems. He's describing the self-problems also in his images. 
and uh, the health problems that had to do with um, with the breath. And so the images that he has created, they were showing kind of breath and the way he started to rebreathe and come back to life. And this is such a meaningful story. So if you just look at the images without having the narrative behind it, you will not understand the meaning of the artist. Yeah. And so those were that was an example of a meaningful moment uh, that um, shaped a lot my perception that I have from that photographer. Yeah. But it is also about the different answers that different artists gave to the same question. For example, yeah. Rafael Rojas is very conceptual and very meaningful and very deep when it comes to his projects and the way he, he thinks and creates. And on the other way, Balda Bailey, who has a huge experience with the arts, uh, but she believes very much in the creative process. So she experiments a lot. She yeah. she knows, she doesn't know from the beginning where things are going to. Yeah. And so she's very open to let herself being guided by the result. Mm. And so the two artists, they have a completely different approach to that. And this is also something that is surprising to me and that I like a lot from the book that there is no one form of art, but art is really an act of expressing thoughts, emotions, observations that we have through a creative process that might be very personal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one thing I've enjoyed. It's reading different different approaches and different hey, different ways of viewing and, and doing different things, but all through, uh, I suppose, a, a similar creative process, which, and I, as you say, yeah, two great examples there in, in terms of how some are very, very well thought out, very, very structured, but yet other people are far more kind of like just a, a process whereby they see where things take them. They don't know what the outcome is intended to be and, and they will get to an outcome which... Uh, which at which point they'll kind of stop and then maybe move on move on to the next body, um, and um, would you is it something you would ever look to do again? Do you ever think there'll be a volume two? Are there more photographers who you would like to do, or or do you think that there's you'd maybe do something a collaborative nature, but maybe in a slightly different format? That's a good question. Of course, there are always more photographers <laughs> and, uh, that I missed out. And actually, I all also dedicated the book Voice of the Ice to the photographers that I have not included in the book. Yep. And uh, so it's it's just that's a very subjective selection in the book. Yeah. Um, and so there are so many other great photographers that are not uh, part of the book. Yep. So it would be very easy to make a, a second yeah. version or a third. And maybe I'll do that. But uh, it comes uh, down to feasibility on the one Absolutely. hand, so the costs and uh, the struggle, and is really a very intense process. Yeah. And secondly, it comes to who I want to become myself, and yeah. would I like to become a curator, known for a Voice of the Eye series? Yep. Or do I see myself as an artist? And so at that stage, I would give more priority to my own artistic process. Yeah. And so now working on my own book and Great. I'm thinking about my own projects next. And so I give a little bit more priority on that uh, for, yeah, for the next few years. Great. And, and, and has, and has uh, speaking and, and interacting with all these photographers, have you felt a personal influence on your own work? 
Oh yeah, absolutely, Jan. So I have uh, some friends uh, in this community of photographers and I can always send out messages or give them a call and I, I get a call back. And uh, I've created a new initiative. And so I'm not, I, I don't want to share the title or the idea. No, no, right no, 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 no. And, uh, but it is going to be an initiative uh, that should bring together uh, photographers and to a place where that is very slow, uh, where we can talk about photography, share photography, and go into a very meaningful and deep conversations. So the opposite of what we experience on, on social media. And so I'm very thankful for all these links that I have and the friendship uh, yeah. to these wonderful people. Right. Sounds good. And it's, it's really nice to hear that you're now working on your own book. And I'm sure all the experiences you've had of producing this book will 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 stand you in very good stead for 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 doing your own work. Um, I'm always really fascinated speaking to photographers from around the world um, to understand, as I as I always say, what what photo books make uh, make other people's top selections. I know it's one question you ask every photographer in the book, so it's been quite interesting to see what some people say. Um, but it'd be great if you could maybe share four or five photo books from your own collection that uh, that maybe inspire and and that you like. Of course. Uh, so actually, I went through your podcast. I mean, I'm I'm listening to your podcast uh, quite frequently, and uh, so I tried to find books that haven't yet already mentioned quite often by others. <laughs> yep. And so I hope that I found a few that uh, fit well to uh, the collection of books that you already have. <laughs> <laughs> and so the first that I want to mention is a book by Miho Kajioka. Uh, she's a Japanese uh, photographer. And the book is called, And Do You Still Hear the Peacocks? Uh, it is actually a follow-up book to the book called, And Where Did the Peacocks Go? from 2018. So the idea of the book is basically that uh, right after the Fukushima nuclear plant accident, I think in 2011, uh, Miho found um, a block about peacocks and that were left in the evacuation zone uh, in, Fukushi in Fukushima, I think roughly 20 kilometers. And so they just disappeared after that accident. And so Miho started imagining these peacocks. And so she was walking around an empty town and uh, she looked into the beautiful wings that they spread. And so the images, they show kind of two layers. So there is a disaster on the one hand, but on the other hand, there's a beauty. Hey. And I really admire the way she brings together disaster and beauty in one book. The way the book is created is a masterpiece and uh, it's a kind of a Liporello on one side and uh, she's also adding a lot of text material to that and it's just beautiful to to uh, to go through that book. Yeah. Lovely. So Miho Kajioka is my, my first recommendation. Lovely. Uh, the second uh, I've chosen based on his photographs, uh, not necessarily on on the book itself. So Miho's yep. book is, so there's a trend these days that book, they become a piece of art themselves. So it's okay. less than about the content, but it's really about the book itself. In Miho's case, it's both. I think it's about the images and the book. Yep. And But sometimes there's also the philosophy that 
if a book becomes a piece of art, then there's less priority on the images in the book. And so the second recommendation is a book uh, that focuses more on the photographs rather than the book as an art form. And this is by Kasper Kowalski. And uh, I think it's his latest book is called Event Horizon. And Event Horizon is um, a continuation of his Archie series, I think. Okay. And what makes it very particular is a series of aerial photographs from his homeland in Poland, but from a very hidden perspective. And so he is actually using a gyrocopter. And so by himself, so he is flying in the air while he is taking the images in very extreme weather conditions. And so that is quite amazing. So usually they're uh, captured in 150 meters above frozen water. And so they are very impressive. And they show very abstract paintings of uh, that are created by nature. And so I really like them. I, I've seen an exhibition of the images and they are just okay. beautiful. Mm. So that's my second book. Um, the third book I'd like to recommend is uh, Jan Töwe and is his book about silent landscapes. And the idea of the book is that landscapes are dynamic in a sense. So, so it is over space and time, they change. And so while they surround us in the present, they are constantly changing. And he was in search for the myth of an unspoiled landscape. And mm -hmm. so that is completely unaffected by our species. And that book is about these silent landscapes. And so I very much like the idea, the conception, but also the, the photographs that he selected, they, they just speak for themselves. And if I look back into photo books, so very often we buy photo books and then they end up in a corner of our room and we yeah. rarely go back to them. Silent Landscapes is a book uh, that I return to very often. And yeah. uh, so it's, for me, it's just an amazing book. Brilliant. Good. Yeah, it's always good when you get a book that you do return to over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. And the last book, I mean, there are tons, tons of books yeah. that I could recommend. <laughs> but I said uh, I, I don't want to repeat uh, others that have recommended the same books. And the last book uh, has been mentioned already a few times, I think, but I need to need to say it because I'm um, an admirer of the work of Paul Kenny. Yes, and uh, it's his Sea uh, Works book. Yeah, and uh, so I very much like uh, the way he has created the books and has created his own very particular style and transitioning from the analog to the digital world and, and now is also capturing um movies about uh yeah the how salt sea salt affects kind of the rocks and metal and, and different elements that he finds yeah. in the sea and this is just uh very artistic and if you look at kind of the prints i have two of them standing right left to me okay so i tried from from each of the photographers in my book i tried to purchase a print or i i i, I purchased a book from them sometimes yep. i also participated in one of their offerings that is my own personal way of of gratitude yep and so i have two paul kenny prints and nice. it looks almost like that you're looking at a small universe and yeah, so those yeah. are small galaxies and it's just amazing. 
yeah fascinating fascinating work very very artistic as you say and and, and such a unique approach to to creating work yeah. beautiful books yeah but yeah. no four four fantastic suggestions there and it's it's for me it's lovely to it's always really nice to hear different different names different books uh, i sometimes hear the same photographers names mentioned but different publications that people connect with um, and yeah you you can't buy them all but it just means you uh, for me and for other people who listen you've got an opportunity to go and explore some new work that you've maybe not come across before which then takes you down different different paths and and different influences as well so thank you very much for it thank you very much for sharing those uh, great titles and and thank you for taking time to to talk to me about uh, voice of the eyes um i can only highly recommend it to to anyone who's anyone who's listening because it, it really is quite a quite an incredible achievement to bring together 30 31 30 plus one photographers but also just to create give such an insight and context to some of their work as well because i think once you once you once you read through some of the interviews it's really quite interesting to then go back and look through some of the photographers own personal work or their own personal books just with with a bit of context in terms of maybe what their approach is why they're doing things what inspires them what interests them what what they connect with yeah, thanks so much, Ewan, for uh, inviting me and uh, for giving me the chance to talk about Voice of the Ice. And uh, it was a great experience and honor to be in the podcast. My pleasure. And to all the listeners, I hope that you stay wild, that you stay connected to the inner <laughs> self and ask more questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Rennie.